Welcome to Beyond the Diamond, the podcast that goes far beyond the game. I'm your host, Danielle D. Rubin, and I'm here to empower young women, parents, and coaches in the world of fast pitch softball. As the owner and founder of DR3 Fast Pitch, I'm passionate about bringing you inspiring stories, valuable insights, and expert advice to help you excel both on and off the field. So whether you're a player looking to take your skills to the next level, a parent supporting your young athlete, or a coach seeking to make a difference, you're in the right place. Let's dive in and go beyond the diamond together. Hey guys, Coach D here with episode number three, Overcoming Injuries Part Two. Welcome to Beyond the Diamond. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for being a part of my podcast. And this week I have a special guest star. She is one of my best friends. She is also working for DR3, one of my former teammates. We go way back, have a lot of great stories together, but I wanted to introduce her and kind of talk more about how she overcomes her injuries through college and even prior to college. So Lindley Bruce, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. It's so beyond thankful to have you in my life, not only as a friend, but just as a human being in general. We've gone through a lot together within our careers on and off the field and I just want to really talk about your story and all the injuries that you went through. So I want to kind of open the door for you to kind of introduce yourself a little bit, talk about positions that you played and a little bit more of your background. Awesome. Well, I'm so happy to be here. This is so fun. I'm so excited for your podcast to be launching. This is episode three. Look at us. We're growing. I know Um, we're growing up. I love it. This is awesome. So yeah, um, a little bit about me. Um, I do work behind the scenes at DR3 for those listening. I do a lot of the social media postings, the blogs, um, just kind of doing the maintenance stuff. So Coach D can be the spectacular pitching coach she is. I handle all the behind the scenes stuff. Um, she keeps me in track. As far as our relationship, um, I met Danielle my senior year of high school, her freshman year of college. She was teammates with my best friend. And they both went to Kennesaw State University, which was 10 minutes from my house. So I thought I would pretend to be a college student as well and have lots of sleepovers. So that is how I initially met Danielle and our paths ended up staying connected. My junior year of high school, I committed to play college softball at the Division II level at Georgia College and State University. It's in Milledgeville, better known as Millie Vegas. That was Mm -hmm. so fun. So I committed there. And Danielle ended up transferring the same year that I went in as a freshman. So our fun journey as friends got to turn into a fun journey of teammates. Um, So that's how Danielle and I are connected. And we just hit it off. And we've been besties ever since. So I'm excited to be here. Tell you guys a little bit about me. Injuries. I'm the queen of them. If anybody has anything, knows of anything, I've probably had it and gone through it. So I'm excited to talk you guys through kind of how to handle that. No, yeah. And one of the biggest things that I just remember us connecting on from early on is you were going through an injury process. I want to say your junior or senior year. Is that correct? Um, my junior year of high school, I tore my labrum and rotator cuff. And then senior summer, going into freshman year of college, I blew out my knee completely. All the ligaments, ACL, MCL, LCL, meniscus, all the tendons, shredded oh. it. So I know that was one of the biggest things that we bonded on outside of just becoming friends and hitting it off and things that we like that way. But as far as like teammates and talking in the softball world, our high school careers, I mean, we were dealing with injuries. I started with them at 14 years old and ended my career at 21. And 
I know that had some setbacks for me in the recruiting process. I know it had some setbacks for you in the recruiting process. Talk a little bit more about your recruiting process with the injuries that you had junior, senior year. Yeah. So um, for those listening, when Danielle and I were going through recruiting, they did not have the uh, September 1st of your junior year requirement for recruiting where no one could speak to you or you could not receive offers until your junior year. That was not a thing. So recruiting for us essentially started, I would say like seventh grade. Sometimes. I was going to say like summer of seventh grade, eighth grade. I remember, I vividly remember having two of my teammates commit to their colleges as eighth graders. Patrick Murphy was watching. He wasn't watching me, but he was at my games watching my teammates when I was in eighth grade. And I was like, yeah, oh my same. God. So that was, I think a lot, I'm so glad that they made that change. I have a younger sister that did have the September 1st of your junior year implementation and just seeing my recruiting process versus hers. I'm so thankful they changed it for this new generation of players and these girls coming up because I just remember being 13 and 14, feeling so much stress, stress and pressure when I'm really just supposed to be playing a game I love for fun at that age. Now, once you decide freshman, sophomore year, yeah, I want to play in college, then it's time to get to work. But I just remember I'm not even through puberty. My mindset is not fully developed and I'm feeling all this stress and pressure because I have SEC, Power 5, JUCO, NAI schools coming to watch me as a 13-year-old. I mean, I'm, I think I hit my first home run when I was 13. Like I'm just now getting the ball to the fence. So having that pressure was crazy. Um, I've had three significant injuries. So with my recruiting process, two of them were kind of the big factors. Uh, my eighth grade year, I was getting recruited by Mississippi State pretty heavily, um, Georgia Tech, uh, and a few other smaller D1s like a Samford or a Jacksonville State, some mid-major D1s. Um, and going into high school, that was kind of the route that I was going. I'm really thankful for my parents though. They always kind of kept me in check in a sense of, I was never the biggest on the field. I was never the most powerful. And so know your body and not know your limits, but know who you are, stay true to who you are because getting those looks from those big power five schools was yeah, it was great. We all want to brag about that. I mean, to this day, I'm 25 now and I'm still like something I would have loved to brag on is committing to Georgia as an eighth grader. But mm -hmm. my parents were, I would say in the moment it was hard to hear, but in the long run, I was very thankful for my parents' realistic outlook on who I was as a player. I'm a five, one third baseman, so I'm not very big at all. And I'm playing a hot corner as everybody calls it. So Usually when you see these big power five schools, your third baseman are five, eight to six foot lean, or they're your biggest girls on the field. Your first and third basins are your biggest girls on the field. So I was extremely out of the norm for that. So that added another layer of pressure. Um, I happened to just have really quick hands and quick feet and um, a lot of power for someone my size. So that's, I think, why I got the looks I got. And all of that was great. It was good. I was going to camps, having fun, great connections with coaches. And the summer of my sophomore year of high school, going into my junior year, I could tell something was wrong with my body. And it was definitely my throwing arm. I wasn't sure what it was. I chopped it up to tendonitis. So when I was being recruited, that sophomore summer was your big, big, big summer. 
that was like your showcase summer. You go all out because junior year, like sophomore, junior year is when you commit. So I just played through it. I was like, this is tendonitis because we're playing every weekend. I'm literally starting at third base every game. We're playing six and seven games a day. I've just outworked myself. I have tendonitis. Go through the season. And I could tell I was progressively, I mean, to be frank, getting worse as the season went with my throws. My arm strength was going down. I was in, I could not sleep on my right side. My arm was in so much pain. And it wasn't until I want to say like the beginning of August, we got done with nationals PGF and we came home and I was getting ready for the first week of school. And uh, my mom came in to check on me that morning and I was trying to blow dry my hair and I could not dry my hair because I could not lift my arm. And so my mom was like, "Mm, that doesn't look right. Let's get you checked out go to the doctor, lo and behold, I've torn my labrum and torn the front part of the capsule of my rotator cuff. So what'd that do to your mental mindset at that moment? Well, I had already been through the surgery part. Didn't like, I was obviously an immediate surgery. That was fine for me. I had already had a surgery. I was born with a condition that's it's called ABM. I don't know the technical term for it. But basically, I've already had surgery to alleviate that before it was in my ankle. It was basically a a bunch of extra veins I was born with that turned into like a ball of veins that ended up in a blood clot. So they removed those veins. So I'd been through surgery before. I did that when I was like 13. So the surgery part didn't scare me. What scared me was I knew I was in the heart of my recruiting. And I had been talking heavily with Mississippi State, Samford, and Jacksonville State at the time and had a great, great, great relationship with Samford. It's college my mom went to. It's where I wanted to go. And where your sister's I, at right now. My sister is playing there. My sister's also a third baseman and she is just killing it. I'm so proud of her, but she's in her junior season this year. So look for her if you want to. Her name's Greer. What number is she? She's number four. Yeah, number four. Make sure y'all cheer on Greer Bruce. Samford University. Four. We love her. Shout out to Greer. Yes. Um, so that's where I was wanting to go with Samford. Um, and I was super high on their radar. They said for position players, they told my travel coach this for position players. I was number one on their list. They were just finishing the final touches of getting their budget together, all of that. So when I got the news, obviously I was, I was honestly more mad than anything. I was kind of in that PO'd mindset. Like I was just so angry. Like why? Like I, that was what I struggled with was the why. Like right why now, why now, why now the, why me? I was like, okay, this happens. This could happen to anyone. So I wasn't really why me. I think more of it was why now I'm in the heart of recruiting. I have three great schools looking at me, but I'm also not one to think that that's like, that was never career ending was never in my mind. Some people, yeah, they go through that and they're like, I just, I can't play. I don't want to, that's too much for me. That never crossed my mind. I was like, all right, how long? How long is the recovery? How long is the surgery? When can I be back on the field? And to my surprise, they said like a year. Wow. Well, that wasn't working for me. I did not like that. So had the surgery, was determined in my mind. My mom's thinking I'm crazy. I'm telling her I'm back on the field in six months. I will go to PT five days a week. I don't care what it takes. I'm back on the field in six months because that would be, that would have been me missing high school season, which thankfully I only missed half of, but I wanted to be back ready to go for spring. And so had the surgery doctor thinks I'm crazy. Cause I even told him, I said, I'm going to be your fastest recovering patient. Watch me. 
He's like, mm-hmm. okay, buddy, good luck. So PT thinks I'm crazy. He was like, all right, we're going to start with these small exercises. And I was like, that's too easy. It was literally like lift your arm six inches from your side. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, 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 that's too easy. We got to be throwing in five months here. Let's get this going. Thought they were, they thought I was crazy. And I was quickly humbled in my mindset. Very, mm-hmm. very quickly humbled. I remember that I could not raise my arm to brush my hair for six weeks. And I thought that would come back within like two to three. Um, when I started throwing, I was at the five month mark. And wow. prior to surgery, I was like five months, I'm going to be wrapping up PT. I'm going to be ready to go. Five months I was learning, I was training myself how to rethrow. I was having to figure out how to take the ball from my glove and get it behind my head in the correct position to even start a throw because my range of motion was so limited from the scar tissue, how they resutured my ligaments. Because in my mind, I didn't realize that when you go through these surgeries as an athlete, yes, your surgeon's goal is to get you back to your sport, but it didn't cross my mind that these surgeons are also putting me in the best position for quality of life. And I did not realize that because when I was growing up, I thought sports were everything. My mom and I used to joke, she used to get so mad at me. I used to say, everybody knows the term student athlete. I used to joke with her and be like, girl, I'm an athlete student. I am only at this school so I can play softball. But I was quickly, quickly humbled that um, that is not how it goes. So I had to kind of take a step back in my mindset. Whenever I got to that five month mark, I found myself to be a very angry person, very frustrated, kind of mad at the world a little bit because I wasn't where I thought I should be. But I'm thankful for my PTs I had. They were listening to my body more than I was. They knew at what pace I should be going. And so I kind of had to check myself, which was a difficult thing to do at my the age I was at. I was 15. And so your mindset's not fully developed at 15. So I kind of had to check myself and my mindset and realize that, okay, these PTs are here to help me. They're here to get me. They want me back on the field as much as I want to be back on the field. I need to stop being frustrated and I need to switch my mindset to being optimistic and open and just at the end of the day work as hard as you can and if you take step forward and even if you come five steps back you're still going to take 10 steps forward from those five steps back which I know is something you teach as well and I wish I had had a coach to kind of instill that in me is like taking a step back is not always a bad thing you have to take a step back sometimes to retrain to be better than you were before Well, the reason I have that in my coaching philosophy is because I went through the same thing as a player. I mean, with all the injuries I went through, the setbacks, the just my journey of getting recruited. I mean, it's it's a lot. And at 15, 16, 17 years old, we're more in that selfish mindset of what we want and not what's what's best for us. And that's really where my coaching comes from a little bit is because I went through all those trials and I saw I it's things that I regret a little bit. Now I can't change the past, but if I could go back in time, like I wish I could talk to 15 year old Danielle, or you have someone talk to 15 year old Lindley and be like, okay, like this is what it takes to get to point X, like X, Y, Z, like to get to where you want to be. And so, yeah, no, I totally understand that and can relate to that to the, to more than, you know, way too much. Yeah. So to wrap that, basically that first injury up is what ended up happening was I did come back My arm, I can say, was never the same. I used to have a very, very strong arm. I could tell that my speed lacked. I wasn't as strong. My motion, my throwing motion was much improved. I learned the correct mechanics on my return back. But 
I think the biggest blow I took from that was I lost all interest from the colleges that were recruiting me. Um, Samford, who I was hot on and I thought was hot on me, totally valid in why they were backing off. They had two other third basemen that were also on their radar that didn't have injuries and they didn't know how I was going to come out of my injury at the time. And they didn't have six months to wait. They needed to commit the best girls. So they moved on. And it just, I mean, it makes total sense now. And I totally get it now that I've been in the coaching world, but then it was a total blow. I thought my career was over, which is so silly because I was 15. You have so long. In, in your defense though, and I can, we can relate on this. The travel ball team, you were Georgia Impact. I was on Atlanta Vipers. Like those two organizations are quote unquote, like D1 type organizations. And we're nationally ranked and we played the best of the best competition around the country. And for me, like not one girl on my Viper team went to a school lower than D1. It was kind of like D1 or nothing. And yeah, D1 or bust. <laughs> that was the mindset. Bust. It was our mindset. And I hate that that is what our mindset was, but we didn't know any better. And if like, we didn't know like D2s were even okay, or like JUCOs might've been a better option for us. Like we just, we had the name on our Jersey and we had that respect of just playing under that name. And these colleges had the respect for our coaches and our organization that, it was D1 or bust. And so with all of that, I want you to kind of talk more about how you had to transition from that D1 mindset into going to Georgia College, which is a D2 school that you started with your freshman year, I ended up transferring to because there's a lot, it's a whole different world and a different mindset at that level. Yeah. So I will tell that. And then I'm going to tell a really funny story about Coach D that she probably hasn't told you guys yet. Um, oh, <laughs> so going back, um, like I had mentioned earlier, one thing I was thankful for is how realistic my parents were with me and how candidly they talked to me, I guess you could say they wouldn't, they never sugarcoated it. And so I think they, I have to give a lot of credit to them and helping me pivot my mindset to stay locked in to getting a college scholarship. And I, I guess really just pushing through, even though what I thought were my dreams were crushed, um, because my parents were so candid with me, they essentially just sat me down and they were like, look, does this stink? Absolutely. Are you a great player? Absolutely. Is this the end of the world? No, because guess what? You still have mid-major, you have other mid-major D1s, you have D2s, and you have some really good NAIA schools. One thing about my parents, my dad was a baseball player, so he got the athletic side of things. My mom was a great tennis player in high school, but just chose to go to college did the sorority route. So she got college experience. So having those two different, I guess, mindsets and experiences was really good for me because my dad was very much like me where he was like, oh, we're going to play ball. We're going to be a ball player. We're playing in college because that's what I wanted. They never pushed it on me. That's just what I wanted. So my dad was backing it. My mom was the one that kind of snapped us back to reality of we're going to a school with a great education. We're going to a school where if something happens and softball is no longer a sport, she can get a great education from there. And so with my mom having that mindset and my dad's just, I guess, determination for me, since I already had that determination, it really helped me change my mindset of looking at other schools. Um, and so I didn't rule out D1. I just knew that those three were not an option. Um, I continued to play, ended up getting recruited at state at high school GHSA state tournament, which, which is, is rare. so unheard of. I mm -hmm. don't, uh, not a single girl 
that graduated in my class that I knew from the softball world got recruited at state. They oh, graduated travel teams. Yep. So I'm, I played for Harrison High School in Kennesaw, Georgia. Go Hoyas. Woo -woo. Um, <laughs> loved my team. And I was really fortunate with a really good team. Seven of our starting nine, we were all on the same travel team. Wow. That's really rare. Super rare. And so we were like, I was a grade younger than the girls I played travel ball with, but because of my birthday, I was the same age. Mm -hmm. And so I had four juniors. My, this was this my sophomore year? No, four seniors. I'm sorry. I was a junior, four seniors, me and two other girls. We were all on the same travel team and we were all starting for our high school team. So we already knew what the other, what our teammates were thinking. Cause we played with them literally year round. So we were just, we ended up becoming like a really great team that year, went to state and that's when Georgia College and State University, better known as Georgia College, that's where they saw me. And we ended up playing at State. And after one of our games, during this time period, you are allowed to talk to players. And the head coach for Georgia College just came up and talked to me and was just asking about me and um, invited me to come to her camp, but wanted me to do a private tour of campus, essentially. It wasn't a visit because once you call it a visit, you only have so many you can go on. So she was like, I would love for you to come to this camp and we'll give you a private tour after. So I ended up doing that, fell in love with the campus, the atmosphere, more so fell in love with the majors that they offered. Their programs, I was at Georgia College, are some of the best in the state. Agreed. And so I really fell in love with that. The town itself felt big enough, but still small. It felt intimate, but big enough that I didn't know everybody when I would be there. So I ended up just falling in love with that, went home, talked to my parents about it, ended up getting called for an official visit, went on an official visit and ended up committing there, which was not in my plan at all. I thought that was super crazy, just a verbal commit, but it just kind of felt right. And so I think a lot of that for me, transitioning that mindset came from my parents because they supported me, but they also were realistic. And whenever I got asked to come on the visit there, I was really hesitant. I was like, I don't really like that's too close to home. I wanted to be far away from home. It was too close to home. It was a D2. So in my mind, I'm like, no, I don't know anybody going D2. That makes me look like the loser. Like I'm better than that. I just had a really negative mindset about it. And my parents were really good. What I loved most that I think changed my career was I remember sitting down with my dad and he said, you're good enough to play D1. No question. You've been recruited. You're good enough. But are you good enough to start D1? And that was kind of a punch to the gut. Mm, I've heard the same thing. I was like, what do you mean? Am I good enough to start? Yeah, I'll start. He was like, are you good enough to start all four years? Can you play all four years? Do you want to play all four years? And I was like, that's what a dumb question, dad. Of course I want to play all four years. I don't want to, I've never sat, I don't, the bench? No, <laughs> not for me. Who's that? <laughs> and he was like, okay, then let's, I'm going to respectfully put you in your place. You're not going to start at a, at a D1 power five SEC school. You will not start all four years. You might start half the season, your junior year, and you might start your senior year. And I'm saying might, I was like, first of all, ouch, that's kind of rude. I'm a girl that hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then I kind of sat in it for a minute. It's the reality. hundred percent. Really 100%. 100%. And I sat in it for a minute and I kind of tried to check myself and I was like, okay, like hear him, listen to what he's saying, hear him, understand he was like, you go D2 to a school with fantastic educational purposes, 
great resources from the community because Milledgeville is such a cool community if you've never been down there or heard of it and a, a winning softball program at the time and he just frame was like re- I want to give a frame of reference for the listeners really quick Milledgeville Georgia is about two and a half hours south of Atlanta and mm-hmm. we are both from the Kennesaw Woodstock Atlanta area and so just frame a reference it wasn't too far away but it was far enough away for both of us yep and so I just remember him saying, you will start, you, you could start there all four years. He wasn't guaranteeing me a start. He said, if you work hard and you be the player that we all know you are, you could start for four years while getting a great education. And when he said that, I was just like, oh, you're right. I don't want to. And that's when I changed my whole mindset on the D1 setting of know who you are. I'm a five, one third baseman. That you don't see that at the D1 level starting. You might have him in the dugout, but you don't see him starting. So then I was like, well, yeah, softball's not forever. And I knew that. I hated it, but I knew it. Softball's not forever. If I only get four more years at this, I want to start all four. Mm-hmm. And I want to play and have fun. I don't want to be on a team that wins, but sit the bench. I'm a, I want to contribute. I want to start. And so that's kind of really what solidified my decision into going to Georgia College was I knew what kind of player I was and I knew my work ethic. And so in my mind, there was no question that I would be a starter all four years. And so and I, I want to touch on, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut okay. you off. I just want to touch on the importance parents who are listening without the support of Lindley's parents, all the support of my parents, because I haven't even got into my transfer journey yet. Um, and that might be a whole nother podcast episode. It doesn't really fall under overcoming injuries, but a little bit it does, but Parents, you are involved in your daughter's life and her, like, it's a recruiting process for the family. It's not just for your daughter. And what I mean by that is they need your support and they need the guidance because from the two of us, we were playing on teams that again was D1, 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 D1 or sit, D1 or bust. And we needed that reality check. I needed that reality check at a lot younger. And my dad always would talk about JUCOs and D2s. And I was like, no. And I just brushed that away. And then I get to the D1 process and I see, wow, I'm not that player that, or like just with the injuries I was going through and where I was at the time of my life, like I was not going to start at all my freshman or sophomore year and possibly not even my junior or senior year, like just at the competitive level. And I am so thankful for my parents and me, Lindley and I relate to this a lot. We're very, our family lifestyles, how we grew up is very similar. And our parents, we would not be who we are today, the player that we were without that support, without that guidance. And I cannot emphasize that enough that parents, you need to be invested in your daughter's journey. If you want the best for her, you have to be in, as invested in researching and being a part of this and not just trusting your travel ball coaches, nothing against travel ball coaches. I love y'all but they have families, they have kids, they have to take care of 13 plus players on their team, that mom and dad, you're the managers, you're the momager, you're the dadager of this journey. And we would not be where we are today as adults or where we were as players in high school or college without that guidance, without that reassurance. And it wasn't pat you on the back, you're the best player ever. Like we didn't get that from our parents. We got the reality, we got the truth and we needed that. And Lindley was pure example of how she needed that reality check. And I needed that reality check. I just wish I listened a little bit more at 15 or 16. We just happened to have that reality check closer, 17, 18, 19 years old. And so can't emphasize that enough. Lindley, I want to thank you for just sharing that side of your story. 
Yeah, of course. I definitely, what you're touching on with the parents is super important. And I think one thing for me that I've learned now that I'm older and more mature is yes, it hurt my feelings when my parents had that reality check with me. It did. It stung. My feelings were hurt. I cried about it in my room of I'm not good enough. And for a moment, I kind of thought my parents might not think I'm good enough, but it it was absolutely not that. I got over that very quickly as well. And all it was came down to was my parents having my best interest at heart and wanting me to succeed as the player that I was. Cause you can't, you are who you are and you can work as hard as you can and you can become this great player. But at the end of the day, strip it all away. You are who you are, your size. You can't, I couldn't affect that. I was five, one, my younger sister, we're five years apart. She's five, eight and she's a third mm-hmm. baseman playing D one. And I tell my dad, my dad and I joke all the time. I'm like, if I had just grown three more inches, if I could at least be five, four. So I think, be realistic with your children because, or your players, because you're doing them no favors by trying to protect them. We Mm -hmm. obviously there's a way to do it and a way to say it, but being realistic with them. So their hopes don't, aren't, I guess you don't get their hopes up and they don't get their own hopes up is super important. And I think why I was able to still play in college. And it falls under the parent player relationship too. And I think I tell my players all the time, mom and dad is your number one coach and your number one supporter. And they know you better than you know yourself until you're 18 years old. Like when you're 18, you can say you might know yourself better than your parents. I still don't know if I believe that, but that's legal adult, whatever, go with it. But I mean, yes, you cried. Yes, I cried with my parents telling me the real truth, but I know it wasn't coming from a place of hate or a place of hurting my feelings. It was that just the truth and truth hurts sometimes, but we need the truth and players girls parents like everybody wants the truth and I just I know you're so thankful for your dad mom being realistic and your mom I love that you had kind of both sides to that um the sporty life and just what's best for you as a human and I think the hard truth for all of us at the end of the day was realizing that softball didn't last forever and to realize that I mean they just put softball back in the Olympics right now. And we knew we weren't really Olympic type players, like, and pro right. softball wasn't really a big thing back a couple years ago. And it, it just had to come to an end. And so putting your future as a, not just a softball player, not just as an athlete, but as a female, as a girl, as a daughter, as a sister, as a Christian, as a human first, we have to remember our identity and we lose our identity being a student athlete. Like I know we do, we all lost it a little Absolutely. bit of label ourselves as I'm a pitcher I'm a third baseman softball player teammate no you're a female you're a woman you're a girl you're a Christian you're a human a daughter a sister a granddaughter and putting that into perspective can really help you one just overcome injuries overcome this journey and just get you through life a lot easier by changing your perspective and holding that pressure to yourself yeah I agree I did promise the listeners a funny story about you that I just want to throw in there real quick. Whenever Danielle yeah, asked a question, scared. She, she talked about the differences and the resources at the division one versus division two level. And I will never forget. I already knew Danielle. We weren't super close yet, but I had known her from her freshman year, at Kennesaw state. So she transfers to Georgia college, obviously has her back injury. I'm at Georgia college as well. We're in the training room together, getting treatment done. <laughs> And Danielle looks at our athletic trainer and goes, so what day will the chiropractor be here? Our trainers, our athletic trainers 
looked at her like she was cross-eyed and they were like what chiropractor she was like you know like yeah the chiropractor for the sports teams they're like danielle we don't have a chiropractor for the sports teams danielle's face went blank she was like what do you mean everybody has a chiropractor for the sports teams and that just i just think it's so funny because she came in there from being at a d1 college where you have all these resources where at Kennesaw state university they did have a chiro like an in-house chiropractor but at the D2 level, that is not something you get. You don't get those kind of resources, but I will never forget our trainers made fun of her for the rest of the year for that. I was so humbled my first like two months at Georgia College. I swear like the head coach hated me by the questions I would ask. Like the athletic trainers looked at me like I had 12 heads because in my defense, I just thought that was the norm. You're a college athlete. You all have these resources. And I get to Georgia College and I was like, oh, I have to do the bullpen. Like I have to like clean up after I pitch. I have to like, I can't pick out number 63. Like that's not my jersey. I'm stuck with the old jersey or like it was just a reality check for me. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm laughing at that too. It was it was very humbling for me to say the least. I did not want to sound like a brat and I didn't mean to sound like a brat. No, you didn't sound like a brat. You just were so unaware of the differences. I had no idea. I would, I would have been too, if I was coming from a D one where we had a nutritionist and we had a mindset mentality coach and we had a chiropractor, I would have been clueless too. I just thought it was so funny. Everybody in the training room goes silent. The trainers look at Danielle, like she has three heads. It was so funny. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. That's a, that's something I'll never forget either. That, <laughs> that moment of being golden. Well, I do want to talk about, just hit on it really quick. So you get to Georgia college, you had your sh shoulder surgery. I got to Georgia your, college. The knee. That's okay. Are we going into that? We might need to set up another episode for going into all that. Cause I think we might, talk our listeners ear off right now with this story but sum it up very short of just the ending of your injury process and like what you went through at Georgia College to where you kind of transferred I know it might not all have related with injuries we don't have to dive deep in the whole story but just talk a little bit more of the injuries of once you got to Georgia College and how that affected you as a player, because I know it affected both of us. Like we were also humbled again at the D2 level. I went in there thinking I was going to be starting pitcher. Um, I have a whole story I'm going to have to share that'll take like two hours to share, but I want you to just talk a little bit more about that. Yep. So finished the shoulder, got recruited, committed. Uh, summer going into my freshman year of college, I, I tore everything and my knee kind of blew the whole thing out. Had surgery, called my coach, had to tell her, obviously, because I was committed. I was about to sign. So I didn't know if my scholarship was going to get taken. Thankfully, it didn't. She said, okay, sign your scholarship. We'll see you down here and we'll get you rehabbed and get you ready to go. I was like, amazing. Best case scenario. That is, I wouldn't say uncommon, but definitely not common to have a coach still, if you haven't signed your papers, to have a coach still be willing to take you. So that was nice, reassuring. That kind of started a positive mindset for me of, okay, my coach knows that I can get better. She knows I can play. Have the surgery in July, get to campus, first of August, still on crutches, can't walk. I'm non-weight bearing. Um, doctor said it was going to be eight months to a year before I could step on the field again. And again, my mindset was like, mm, any leniency there? He was like, I mean, I've had people do it 
in seven to eight months, but seven months is the minimum. I've never seen anybody come back faster. So I'd go back to my old self and I'm like, all right, we'll make it six months then. So do the training. Luckily we had a great staff of athletic trainers at Georgia college. So I did a lot of my PT with them. I give them a lot of credit, but there, I also need to note that there is a difference in a physical trainer, a PT and an athletic trainer and AT. I think it's when you're going through an injury like that, you need to be with a PT. I adored my ATs. They did everything that they knew how to do to the best of their abilities. I am by no means, I kind of crapping on them or saying they didn't do anything right or wrong. They were great. They, they did everything weren't. they could with the resources that they had and the knowledge that they had and the place that they were. Correct. Unfortunately, I needed to be in a physical therapy setting, not in the training room of a college because the necessary equipment, the honestly, the education for both is different as well. So their knowledge of my injury and what will get me back just wasn't there. So I go through PT with him and I do, I end up coming back in six months. I get cleared by my doctor to start practicing at the six month mark. And he was like, this is unheard of with how severe your injury was. We, we can tell you've worked hard. You've gotten stronger. Your knee looks solid. You can do limited practices. I was like, amazing. Can I get that in writing? I'm going to take it to the school, start working with my trainers, talk with my coach. And unfortunately, it just really went downhill from there. <laughs> um, I had worked really, really hard to get back because my coach told me, I need you to start by February 1st. My surgery was in July. That was seven months on the dot to be fully playing, starting in a collegiate softball game. But as an 18 year old freshman, I was like, holy crap, my coach thinks I'm really good. She needs me by February 1st. I'm there. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get as close to this. Like if I can't do it because I learned from my previous injuries and I can't do it, but I'm going to do everything I can to start, end up doing it, start practicing in January with the team was supposed to be on limited practices. And unfortunately I was pushed further. And what my doctor had told me I wasn't, was not allowed to do was not listened to. And so I go a lot harder, a lot sooner than I was supposed to. And I can tell that I've done something to my knee. I don't know what I've done, but I've done something. And I told the trainers, they were like, yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell that you've made like, you've taken a step back. Like you're more hesitant. Your knee's not as stable as it was. Let's talk with coach, talked with coach. And I, I think I'm, I'm summing it up in my head to just the pressure of we're about to start our season. I was not given the resources I was needed. I was not allowed to get an MRI unless I wanted to pay for it myself, which is not how college works for you guys that are listening. If you are injured in college, your school has insurance that will usually pay for your injuries, depending on what injury it is and how you, um, abstain it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was told, Nope, you're fine. You're just not tough enough mentally. This is just scar tissue. You need to keep going because you're starting. And unfortunately I was just too young. I was young. I was naive. I thought the way I had grown up, your college coach, what they say goes, your college coach is knows all is all. And so I just listened to her. I told my parents and my parents weren't happy about it, but I begged and begged and begged my parents not to say anything. I was a freshman. I didn't want to be that girl in everyone's eyes of mommy and daddy came to the school. Mommy and daddy had a coach with had a coach, a meeting with the coach, excuse me. So 
I like in tears begged my parents to stay out of it. Let me handle it. I was in college. I could do it, which ended up being my biggest regret in my entire career. Um, I do end up starting that season. I play, I'm in rehab the entire season. I'm miserable. My weight is fluctuating because I can't get on a regular diet because I can't get on a regular workout schedule because my recovery is not going to plan. I'll be doing, I'll be fine hitting, doing lunges, doing team lifts on a Tuesday. And by that Friday, I'm back on crutches because my knee is the size of a balloon. So physically I was suffering mentally. I was just all out of whack. I didn't know which way was up at this point. Um, so that was really, really difficult. End up playing the whole season played terribly because once season ended, my mom was like, Hey, season's done. You're home. You're mine again. We're going to get you checked out. I had retorn my knee in January and I played the entire season on a busted knee, shredded more ligaments than needed to be shredded because I kept playing. So other ligaments were overcompensating for what was just a smaller tear. I'm back at square one, essentially. And I, just want, Go ahead. I was just going to touch on, if you have more to share on the story, I want you to continue sharing on that, but I want to touch on the fact of I went through something very similar as far as me knowing my body and then hearing what the doctors were saying versus hearing what my coach and my AT was saying. And one of the biggest struggles that Lindley and I both faced was we hear one thing from a doctor. We feel what's going on with our body. Our AT knows about the situation, but then we have obligations with our coach and, uh, and we want to play. And we're, again, we're here to play softball. We have the love for softball. This is what we think at that time we came to school for, even though, yes, we're getting an education, but it's like, we're going, like we're playing ball in college and like, that's our job. And I cannot stress this enough because I wouldn't want my mom or my dad coming up there either. And, Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. Like mama, mama bear, Susan Rubin, like you don't want to mess with her. And so it took a lot out of, her. And I know Sherry, Sherry Bruce is the same way of like, not, does not mess around. <laughs> you don't mess with our mamas and you don't mess with our mama's kids. And so it took a lot out of both of our parents to just kind of like stay out of things a little bit. But I mean, I, I went through the same thing. I had a stress fracture and I had an MRI and an x-ray done my sophomore, sophomore season. And I was supposed to take three months off, but because my MRI didn't match my stress fracture, which they shouldn't match because it's different things that they're looking at, I had to continue playing and I didn't take the three months off. And it was very, I mean, I collapsed the last game of our sophomore season. I was warming up, actually had no time to warm up. And I was the second pitcher. I was going to be the, I was the second string going in to relieve the starter if needed. And she got hit in the face the very first inning and I'm not even warmed up yet. And I throw one pitch off the mound and I collapse and I was done. And I just remember in that moment, like I was so mad because I knew like I was already injured before I wasn't able to like sit down moral of this whole story. Cause I'll dive deep into that story on another episode, but listen to your body and softball. Like if your body is telling you something, you need to listen to it. And your doctors no more Again, not trying to crap on college coaches and college athletic trainers, but doctors who do this on an everyday basis, listen to them and listen to yourself because Lindley and I both finished our college careers thinking like, why are we 90 years old? 
we are 21 years old. Why do we feel like we're 90? We're waking up in tears. We're going to bed in tears. We're physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted because we're going through the same thing over and over and over. And we're not seeing progress. We're doing what we're doing in PT. And then we go to practice and we're dying afterwards, or we play in a three hour game. And then like, we can't even lift our arms up or I can't even like lay down in my bed at night. And it wasn't worth it. And that's what made me overall had to hang my cleats up is I like, I just, I just knew, like, I want to be able to hold my kids one day. I want to be able to like be active with my kids. I want to be able to be like active at 25 years old. Like, I don't know what I want to do with my life yet, but it's definitely not being a wheelchair. And that's what I felt like I had to be in. And so I'm just really encouraging all you players and parents and coaches out there, like listen to your body and take care of it. And softball's not I mean, softball doesn't last forever, but we put that pressure that it does. And we put that pressure and especially at the college level of you can't quit. Like I'm not a quitter. I was never a quitter. I wasn't born to be a quitter. And when you have an injury like this, you feel like you're a quitter. Like if you stop and you heal and I just can't stress that enough of Lindley and I both wish that if we could go back in time we listened to our bodies a little bit more. We listened to our doctors and we were able to stand up to our coach in a respectful way, a little bit more of not like, I need to red shirt. Like we weren't like even begging for that. It was just more in the sense of, I need to prepare myself for the future. And it's not like in the now. And like the fact that you had a torn knee all season long, not even playing at hundred percent best, putting that stress and that pressure on yourself me playing with a stress fracture in my back, like teaching eight hours a day, standing up and going to practice and doing like, I was just miserable. Like we were literally miserable and we bonded over our misery and I'd be lying if we said we didn't. And there's some stories that just are not needed to be shared on this podcast. And, but it was like, there's just a lot of stuff that we went through and we were bonding over the physical, mental, and emotional pains of ongoing injuries and miscommunication. And I just can't stress that enough to parents, players, and coaches, like protect your kids and put your kids best interest at heart. It's not what's best for the team, what's best for their future, what's best for their well-being, what's best for their mental state. Like listen to the professionals, listen to the doctors, listen to them a little bit more, dive deep into what's going on in their mental game. Cause I know our mental game, me and you both came out of high school with a strong mental game, very confident in ourselves, confident as players, confident of our IQ in the game. I feel like anyone could quiz us and we could both bounce off. We we would be like yeah. top dog trivia and like softball <laughs> IQ questions at trivia night. Um, and we took pride in that. Like we were like, we knew the game inside and out and it, it, it was just really tough to have to go through what we went through and that miscommunication, that misguidance and that pressure that we put on ourselves of having to be healed when our body just won't heal. Like we, we can only control what we can control and we couldn't control those things, but we could have stepped out of our comfort zone a little bit more to stand up for ourselves. We were scared to at the end of the day. I want to talk about that just for like super quick. I, I say for players and parents, it is super important as a parent that you're and a coach that you're raising an independent player that can advocate for themselves. I, from my personal experience, I was raised that way, which I'm thankful for because I did advocate for myself, but as a player or as a parent, excuse me, you also need to know when it's time to step in. So I did not, I begged and begged and begged my parents not to step in. I told them I need to talk to her. I got it. And I did, I did talk to my coach. I told her my concerns. I told her how much pain I was in that I could barely go to class in the mornings 
And so I did advocate for myself. So you need to let your players advocate for themselves first. They need to be strong enough to speak with their coach. Otherwise they won't have respect from their coach. The coach will not respect the player. If the player at that level, at the college level, cannot have an open line of communication with them. With that said though, there is a line where it is appropriate for a parent, a guardian, whomever to step in and kind of say enough's enough. This is what's going on. This is what needs to happen. You're not listening to my player or my child. And that's where me and my family have our biggest regrets of my parents let me advocate for myself. In fact, they encouraged it. They said, have you talked to your coach? What have you said? Have you stressed how bad this is? And they let me do that three or four times. They let me go to my coach. Well, they didn't even let me. They kind of made me. They made me go to my coach as my own individual because that's a life skill. It's not even a softball skill. That's something as a woman you're going to need for the rest of your life is to be able to advocate for yourself because life is just what life is. And it's a great skill to have as a female. 100%. My parents pushed me to do that. And when I was on my fourth or fifth time of really stressing to my coach how much pain I was in, how uncomfortable I am, the limitations it's putting on my day-to-day life. We had punishment if we didn't go to class. I was unable to go to class because I could not walk. And I was being punished for not going to class. And then I had to show up for practice when I couldn't even get to practice. So those were the things that I was trying to relay to my coach of, I'm telling you something's wrong. And I don't, I'm not my old coach. So I don't know what was going through their mind But that just, I guess, was not good enough for them because it was never a good enough reason. And so that's when my parents and I agree is they should have fully stepped in. And that was the correct time. After I had advocated for myself and there were witnesses of me advocating because my trainers were there, that's when it's time as a parent, you step in and say, okay, my kid has done all they can do. My player's done all they can do to advocate for themselves. Now it's time for me to step in because this is not going the way it needs to be going. 100%. And then you can even on top of that, the patterns of multiple girls on the team going through. So I mean, it just backs up the situation of when parents can step in. It could turn into a whole black hole. But I just think it's really important that parents, you can't jump to your player's aid off the jump at that level. You need to to learn how to advocate them for themselves because not only are they learning a great life skill of advocating for themselves, they're building a good rapport with their coach of I respect you enough to come to you and tell you these things. And I'm mature enough to have this conversation with you because you're in that awkward transition of I'm no longer a teenager. I'm kind of stepping into adulthood, but I'm not a full adult yet. So you need to learn that skill and also get that respect from your coach. Cause at the end of the day, by the time you graduate, the minute you step off that field and graduate, you are now a peer with your coach because mm-hmm. yes, they may have been an adult in your eyes when you got there, but the minute your career's over and you're done playing, you're 23, 24, you're about to be in the real world. That's a peer. So you need to learn how to build those relationships and get that respect in a sense. And it starts at the high school level. Like as far as parents ask me all the time, what age is appropriate for like the players are advocating and not the parent. And I always say like eighth or eighth grade is when you should start, if not even seventh grade of like, it depends on what the situation is. But learning how to communicate with coaches at a younger age. So come high school, because high school coaches don't even want to deal with parents. Like, uh-uh. 100%. When I coached my travel team, they were 14 when I started with them. And my rule was, if you have a question on playing time, you as the player have to come to me first and ask me whatever your question is, whether it's why am I not playing? But I also tried to teach my girls, what do I need? What do you need to see from me to get more opportunities? 
So it starts, it even starts at that age. Don't be a mom and dad that goes, why is my kid not playing? My kid should be starting. Let your kid go talk to the coach. Hey coach, what do you need to see from me so I can get some more opportunities? As a coach, I love that I what can I do question. better as a player? Absolutely. Even through injuries, if you're injured and you're trying to get a few more reps here and there, ask, hey, coach, can you hit me five more? I'm feeling good today. Hey, coach, rehab said I could do X, Y, Z today. Do you mind throwing me a few extra? I'm really trying to get back into it. And that's kind of the big part of the mindset is be the hardest worker, especially coming back from an injury. You do have a lot of limitations about what you can and cannot do. But when they open a door or give you a step forward, take full advantage of that and have that mindset of you give me an inch, I'm taking a mile in a healthy way. But if you give me even an inch of, Hey, we're going to let you try something new today, do it with caution, but go all out in a sense and mindset wise, go all out, be so excited to do it and just be open. Well, I just think that's a perfect way to wrap up episode number three today. So Lindley, thank you so much for coming in, being a guest speaker. I can't wait to have you on more episodes in the future. Again, y'all can hear us bouncing off and forth of each other. We'll we'll share some more stories and conversations in the future. But episode number four, I'm going to talk a little bit about, it's going to be again on this overcoming injuries part three, talking about the adaptions with injuries and kind of how we worked through our through the recovery process, mentally, physically, and emotionally, as far as what we did in PT that helped or what we didn't do, um, what we wish we could have done, tools that we could have used. So we're going to dive a little deeper into that. I'm going to share a little bit more about my transfer experience, how the body changes just from going from different, like, again, most people from injuries too, by the way, if you look at, I'm just thinking about a couple girls off the top of my head, when they come back from an injury, you might've lost that spot. So talking about like how you might have to transition to playing a different position on the field and just with your body changes and the limitations that you might have, it's just very cool to see. We're just going to dive deep into that. So thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Lindley, again, thank you so much for being a part of DR3, being my best friend, being my girl that keeps me in check, keeps me, (laughs) keeps me going. So thank you so much. And I'll see y'all on episode number four. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Diamond. Connect with us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at DR3FastPitch, but Instagram is my biggest platform where I post daily content. For questions or topic ideas, visit our website, dr3fastpitch.com, and submit the form on our homepage. I would love to feature you on our next episode. Remember, you can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our website, dr3fastpitch.com, Stay tuned for more exciting discussions, stories, and insights in the world of fast pitch softball on the next episode of Beyond the Diamond. Until then, remember the only thing that matters is the next pitch. Deep breath, next pitch. I will see you soon.